two. And McNeil drives one to right. Harper's there, and the Phillies complete the sweep of the Mets. Zach Wheeler in his first start against his old team pitches seven strong innings. Andrew McCutcheon hits the go-ahead two-run homer, and the Mets get swept three games at Citizens Bank Park as the Phillies win today 6-2. to two. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder here. Jacob Resnick from Mesmerized back with me. Uh, how's it going, buddy? Uh, doing well. Um, like I said before we came on, uh, another another frustrating Sunday of, of Mets baseball. But on the positive side for yourself, you had some Islanders playoff hockey and a, a, another exciting Islanders playoff hockey win uh, to, to distract yourself. So at least you have that going for you. Yes, we had we had a couple of TVs going uh, Sunday afternoon and uh, very exciting stuff. Um, yeah, though the Islanders are really coming together. It's uh, it's exciting, you know, and especially you know whoever gets hot right now is going to make a run. And yeah, it looks like they have all the ingredients to do that. But this is a Mets podcast. Let's talk Mets baseball. And uh, as depressing as that might be right now. Absolutely. I mean, I guess you could say it could be an orange and blue podcast, and then that would be able ah. to include the Islanders tangentially. But no, let's, <laughs> let's get on to the mess. Well, um, you know, we're we're recording. It's the uh, currently the bottom of the eighth. Mets are down six to two. Uh, the theme of the weekend has been, um, I guess, starting pitching getting the job done up to a certain point and then things just, you know, the wheels fall, fall off. Um, we saw it with Walker Lockett who, who put forth a, a fine effort. Um, and even after he let up, uh, the, the, the lead in the fifth, uh, came back out for the sixth and did his job again. Um, you know, could the Rojas could have, you know, could have, he had said, Hey, thanks for the effort tonight. And we're going to take it from here. Sure, it would have taxed the bullpen, and he probably looks like he would have had to do that all weekend. But, uh, you know, missed opportunities and, you know, hitting uh, non-situational hitting like the Mets are experiencing right now is is certainly not helping anything. Um, You know, you could have five Hall of Famers in the rotation. It wouldn't do much. So, uh, you know, just got to get all those pistons firing, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's it's frustrating when... when um, you have these outings from from guys like Lockett and, and Porcello, you know, and even Mats too, where the expectations are not super high, but they give you some solid innings to to start the game, and then, um, you know, once they hit that that third time through the order, you know, for Mats maybe it's the second time through the order, uh, it just all falls apart, and it seems like they're just not able to hold the the consistency down throughout a game. Um, and, and for the entire season, the one constant has been, you know, at least we have Jacob Durong going every fifth day, but now, uh, you know, if he's going to have to miss a start like he did, uh, on Friday, or if he has to miss a second start, um, these are, these are important games. It's not like a 162 game season, uh, where one start, uh, missed by your ace pitcher is you can just kind of throw it out and it's okay. Um, you know, these are, these are important games. So, um, yeah, like I said, it, it's just been frustrating because, uh, there have been flashes on both sides, flashes from the pitchers, flashes from, from the hitters and, and none of it seems to be able to all come together consistently at the same time. 
and there's been injury, there's been underperformance, but um, I think you know we know what the talent level is uh, from from this group, um, and and it just feels like a matter of time before they all put it together. But we are uh, quickly quickly running out of time. Yeah, I mean, and there's been bright spots. There's been plenty of bright spots. I mean, if you look around. Um, you know, your obvious guys, your Dom Smiths, your Luis Guillormes, your Andre Semenes, um, J.D. Davis, um, our, our on-base percentage kings, Michael Conforto and Brandon Nimmo. It looks like Nimmo had his consecutive uh, on-base streak snapped on Sunday, unless the Mets tie it up in the ninth. His at-bat in the eighth uh, did not end in, a, in reaching first base, so it looks like that streak is over. That's the second most in team history, right? Yeah, behind Oler. He still had a pout. Uh, you know, eight, nine, ten. I'm not sure exactly how many more games to catch Olerud, but uh, yeah, it's uh, impressive. It, it, they were talking about the the force field. That's the joke in the clubhouse. The the force field around Brandon Nimmo when he comes up to the plate, where pitchers just can't throw strikes. Um, but yeah, you know, he's he's been solid. Conforto has been solid. Um, you know, it's it's the Alonzos and the Rosarios who are starting to worry me. Uh, just considering how far along we are into the season now, obviously it's not a huge sample. They haven't been playing for even a full month. Um, but you know, him, Ramos, uh, you know, there certainly are guys who uh, starting to get a little, little nervous about. Um, obviously, there's still time to turn it around. Yeah, I mean, Alonzo was hitting. Um, he had a nice little five, six-game stretch this week that was, uh, or I guess overlapping between last week and this week, where he was hitting again. He was up to like 350 over over five or six games. Um, what stands out the most to me, uh, his average exit velocity last year was 90.7 miles per hour. It's down to 88.5 this year. And uh, again, small sample size. But pitchers are still attacking him with, you know, outside half-breaking stuff or, or even, you know, stuff on the lower half of the plate where last year he was sending low pitches to right center field. Um, he's whiffing completely. So I don't know if it's a timing thing. I don't know if he's pressing too hard. But, uh, yeah, something something's up with him. And it's, it's concerning. But, you know, you know how hard he works. We all could see how hard he works. So, you know, I don't think there's any question he'll be back. Absolutely, and I think it, it's it probably is mechanical. Um, I mean, it just he's just putting some weird swings on the ball. Um, pitchers are it doesn't you know it doesn't seem like he's uh, geared up for certain off-speed pitches, um, you know, or or way late on fastballs that he wouldn't have been uh, late on last year. He's, he looks like he's. I, I mean, I haven't actually checked the numbers in in a few days, but it, from the eye. From the eye and then watching the games, it looks like he's chasing much more um, at just, you know, bad breaking balls and he has no chance of hitting. So, um, you know, he, he, he works. And like you said, he, he works very hard. And, um, I think there's certainly certainly pressure on, on trying to be what he was last season. Um, you know, he's, he's always been able to, you know, throughout his, his career, uh, even going back to college, he's, he's always been able to adjust from, uh, the rough stretches or come back from an injury. Um, so, you know, it, it may not be, it may not be soon. It may, it may be uh, a, a little while before he, he gets back on the track, but, um, you know, he's, he's an extremely diligent worker and uh, very, uh, very in tune with his craft. So uh, not 
not worried at all about long term. I'm certainly worried about short term and, and how his performance is going to affect their their playoff chances. But uh, you know, long term uh, going forward, he should be fine. Well, I guess the nice thing about what's been happening so far with the the ups and downs throughout the roster is that you know you have a lot of guys picking the, the guys who are in little ruts up. Um, I know we just mentioned. Dom Smith uh, and Luis Guillorme, but e- even, you know, Jimenez. I mean, just let, let's talk about Dom Smith and Luis Guillorme for a second, because these guys were, um, you know, arguably overviewed by most, probably, you know, definitely outside of the organization, inside of the organization. I'm sure there was still uh, promise well, showing. Dom, Dom Smith, Dom Smith, you know, was written off by pretty much the entire fan base after I believe was it like ten Sixty, seventy games, like however many, however many he played through twenty eighteen. Yeah, I mean he he never had any. I mean th- this was not just like some guy who came up to the majors. He was a first round pick. He was a top prospect, um, and without ever being given an extended stretch of, of playing time uh, after his rookie season, and you can can never fault a guy for struggling in his very first taste of the major leagues. Um, you know, coming into 2019 was was completely written off uh, by everyone. So, um, you know, I, I certainly, uh, you know, don't think that that this should this stretch or, or his performance. I mean, and it's not just this stretch; it's going back to to last year before he got hurt. Um, you know, should not come as a surprise to anyone. Yeah, I mean. He, he- even in the minors, I mean, through seven seasons in the minors, he's a 295, 360, 425 hitter um, who didn't strike out a whole bunch. And, uh, you know, you're preaching to the choir when it's when it's about, oh, you know, there's promise there. Trust me. I mean, we've had this discussion on this show many times with many different uh, with many different guests. Um, you know, Dom Smith is a hitter and he brings a gold glove caliber um fielding prowess to first base and wherever he's needed. I mean, he's the, the Mets wanted no part of giving him outfield reps. None. He had, And he successfully lobbied to get those reps, turned enough heads, and you know, you saw him this weekend making diving plays in left field. Like, that's just so, so cool for a fan. For It has to be cool for him just to make that sort of progress and you know, have tangible evidence of that progress. It's just, you know, it just blows my mind, but um, you know, all he needed was the opportunity, and that same thing goes for Luis Guillorme. Um, this is a guy who who hit well in the minors. You know, he's not going to wow you, but he brings a great glove. He's a contact guy. He doesn't strike out a lot. Like these are the types of guys that you kind of want in there, um, especially if you have your big hitters who are maybe injured or just not hitting. And in a short season, you have no choice but to go with the hot hand. Um, you have two guys who apparently so far can jump right in and be that hot hand whenever needed. And that's such a, just a powerful tool. And if the rest of the roster can kind of catch up and everyone can get on the same page, uh, you know, the Mets are still within striking distance, even if they get swept, which it's looking like they're going to, um, I think at the most, there'll be five games out going into, I think it's two weeks of series with the Marlins and the Yankees, but most of your games are against the Marlins. Who are playing very well, but um, you know, if the Mets come together, they're a better team than the Marlins, and they could probably stack up against the Yankees on certain nights against certain pitchers. But um, yeah, there's just there, there's still enough time to make a run. Um, 
And you kind of have to take cues from the guys who are doing it right now. They're just calm at the plate. Smith, Guillaume, Jimenez. Um, you know, we went through him before. They're, you know, if you have to take leadership from the rooks for a little while, go ahead and go for it. Whatever gets the team back on track. I kind of went off on a tangent there, but there's <laughs> positives to dwell on. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think uh, we, we saw on Sunday, Sunday morning, uh, got a kind of a, a sign from the front office by, by cutting loose Brian Dozier and, and keeping uh, Guillaume, um, Guillaume, who has an option left and could be shuttled back to the alternate site if needed. Um, and, and Dozier, who... Uh, plays the same positions really, and, and comes with uh, much more of a, of a pedigree. And, and you know, he has the the, the former All Star, former uh, you know World Series champion. He has that on his resume. But Guillermo uh, is the one who's hitting. Uh, he's the one who's playing defense. And um, you know, I'm not going to let uh, you know five or six games or, or a week or whatever um, tell me that he's. Uh, he's you know going to be a, a solid major leaguer for the rest of his career because uh, you know I'm totally against overreacting to small sample sizes. Uh, but you know you you look at the process and uh, I don't know if you heard Steve Gelb's report on this and why the other night just saying how he's kind of uh, found his consistency with his swing something he just didn't have throughout his his career. Um, you know certainly paying off and. Um, it's helpful to have a guy like him who could play multiple positions, come off the bench. I mean, they forget that he was basically nowhere to be found over the first two weeks of the season. I think he got into one game, and it was that that blowout to the Braves on the first Sunday of the season. So uh, definitely good to see. Um, has certainly has the the track record of being a high contact, low strikeout guy. Um, so it's you know. He, it, guys that don't show that much power, um, you kind of need to see a little extra from them uh, just because uh, at the major league level when pitchers are, are throwing um, <laughs> throwing 98-99 at you, you, you need guys who are able to turn on those pitches and, and take them out of the ballpark. So, um, I, you I'm know, just not- your regular run-of-the-mill Tomas Nitos. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, well, we could get into that conversation about uh, whether or who should be the the starting catcher going forward? But, oh, it oh uh, it's on the it's on the docket, Jacob. Don't you worry. Yeah, oh, uh, we'll, we'll get into it. But uh, <laughs> no, just you know, you, you like to see what or you like to see what what Guillaume has shown you. Um, would obviously like to see a little more, but it, it's promising. And um, between him and Dom, that's quite a quite a few guys who have come up through the system and, and shown that they could at least ha- or at least have the capability to be quality um, quality not, I wouldn't say quality major league players but but solid you know guys who can fill fill spots at times um, you know wherever you need them yeah, just the kind of the just the cogs that are absolutely necessary on a successful team um, Jeff McNeil's taking the last at bat at well potentially the last at bat of the game he's pinch hitting which is a good thing to see but um you know versatility has been such a hallmark of this roster and at times we we've seen it work especially now where you know just you know injuries or and not even like major injuries hey mcneil took oh he didn't <laughs> he called him are you watching he i'm watching oh he took a walk but yeah, i'm calling him back and he's giving him uh, giving the ump some shit good for you squirrel um 
So yeah, oh, and now the ump's flashing the signs, flashing the numbers, making sure everybody knows what the count is. Oh, what a hard ass. Okay. Anyway, back to what we were saying. Um, yeah, just the the the, the versatility, the, the ability to come in and do things when when needed. Uh, it, it's it's awesome. Um, but I, I do want to touch. Now I sidetracked myself. I do want to touch on Nito and Ramos real quick. Uh, it, there's got to come a point that Nito's gonna get the starting nod right if things keep on going like they're going and granted you're not going to get two home runs and six rbis out of nito every day but um, that, was, that, was, that was very impressive uh, that was awesome a, not a guy who's ever uh shown power really even in his minor league career um waited back on on breaking balls and or change-ups whatever they were throwing him and um looked very calm and patient at the plate and got the got the barrel out, extended, and, and really took it deep to, to left center. Um, so good to see. You know, and again, it's kind of the same uh, type of player as Don and Giorme, these guys who have come up through the system over the last, I think Nito was drafted in 2012 and Don and Giorme were 2013. Um, you know, just kind of a, a good, feel-good performances for the, the organization to, to see their own guys. Oh, for sure. And I think that's a it's a promising sign, and I think that it's a, it's a it's a testament to Sandy Alderson for uh, for you know getting the right guys into the system, getting the right uh, talent evaluators that clearly saw something in these guys. I mean, you could point to Jeff McNeil and say the same thing. Um, you know, he had the tools, but he didn't he wasn't really a diamond coming through the system. Uh, and you know, it's um it's a good thing. There's never it's never a problem to have too much talent, but. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, especially Ramos's play on Saturday night, maybe he's just not equipped to be a major league catcher at this point in his career. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, <laughs> I I know that's a tough that's that's, yeah. that's a really a tough call to hang on somebody. But um, his ability to receive low balls, which is notoriously bad, worse than the majors last year and hasn't improved. Um it, <laughs> I'm not going to say that he cost the Mets the game on Sunday because he didn't on Saturday. Uh, my apologies, because he didn't. They, they put they had opportunities to take the lead many times throughout that game, but you know he's how big is he? He's he's a mountain of a man. I don't I, I don't have his stats in front of me, but he's a big big guy. He's a buffalo. Park, <laughs> he's a he's a fucking buffalo. Park yourself in front of that plate, receive that pitch, and, and it doesn't matter how wide freaking what's his name goes around third base. Um, you know, you you make the tag, you you block the plate. Uh, big, you know, hats off, hats off to JT Real Muto for directing traffic there. That was awesome. That's a heads up play, and it makes me want him in flushing even more. But uh, and it would kind of make this whole discussion moot. But um, we shall see. I don't see the Phillies letting him go anywhere, especially with uh, how he's looking this year. Absolutely, and you know it. It was such a close play. I mean, it, it it was. It was very close. It was. It was literally centimeters, and you know, I'd say there was a fifty-fifty chance that uh, he got the tag in time, or replay didn't catch it, or the umpire called him out at first. You know, and, and we're not even having this conversation right now. Uh, I mean, you know, not that we wouldn't be having the conversation about his defense as a whole, but um, you know, I think everyone kind of jumped on him. Uh, a little too much for, for that one play. Uh, I mean, well, yeah. We are who we are. Yeah. No, we're not, we're, we're, we're not, we're, you know, we've been, we've been down this road. We're, we're a tough crowd at times. 
Yeah, and it was, it was. I mean, it was a frustrating game, and it was a frustrating end to that game. And obviously, Seth Lugo looked very hittable in that appearance. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, Ramos is struggling. Uh, it doesn't really look like he's putting good at bats together. Um, his defense has never been great, so it's it's not really a surprise to me. I mean, I I, I didn't expect anything more, so I would say this is a disappointment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if you saw the quote that. Uh, that he that he had, or you know, in his his uh, media availability um, on uh, at, you know the day after it was Saturday, Saturday morning. Um, he just said that it's been tough for him this season, uh, just to to keep a keep a clear mind, just with everything going on and being away from his family. And, um, yeah, that certainly can't be um, overstated. Just the impact of of uh, of the circumstances of this season on these players and, and slumps and, and streaks of, of bad performance that have the ability to, to, you know, extend a little longer than, than they would in a normal year. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to ride it out with, with Ramos for, for the rest of the year. I think he's, uh, obviously we, we've seen him hit in the past. He was solid last year once he kind of got going. Um, and, and certainly had his moments. And uh, the defense is, well, you know what? They, that's what they signed up for. They didn't, they didn't get Grandal. Uh, they didn't trade for Real Muto. So, that, you know, they got what they, they paid for. Um, and, you know, perhaps Nito works his way into the lineup a little more often, you know, maybe maybe uh, three times a week instead of just once or twice. Um, you know, he certainly has a, a good relationship with the, with the staff and, uh, yeah, I haven't come up with these guys. I think Rojas said that uh, he deliberately wanted to get Nito uh, working with Nats on uh, on Saturday. Obviously, uh, didn't work out ultimately, but look. Well, looked it, it kind of did. Mats was cruising yeah. through four, man. He really was. I was, I was very, um, I was very encouraged, and that's kind of been his mo. He'll be cruising, and then boom. Yeah, I mean, he he was hitting his spots. He he. Uh, had good command of, of his curveball and um, just was kind of working diligently through the game. And then, you know, it, it's, I wouldn't put it on the catcher for, for no, everything, no. Fall, everything falling apart. Um, so uh, it was certainly interesting to see him work with Nito. Um, perhaps that, that's something that, that happens more often down the line. But um, yeah, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see Nito becoming the, the full-time guy. And obviously, I mean, he's he's only had, what, five or six starts. So that's that's certainly not a sample size uh, to override Ramos' entire body of work. But um, just, you know, another interesting guy that they that they have that perhaps they, they can work in a little more often. Yeah, and if his bat's going to play, um, you know, you can't ignore his defense, that's for sure. Uh, speaking to Nino, of course. Um but if his bat's going to play, yeah, I think he's going to force himself into the lineup a little more often. And, um, you know, you certainly have to feel for a guy like Ramos, um, you know, who's, of course, you know, courageous enough to come out and say, hey, not being with my family hurts right now. Like, I get that. I think we all understand that. Um, you know, uh, happy to cut him some slack. But if to- if Tomas Nito is, you know, if he's outproducing him, um, I think he- he's – going to garner himself some more opportunities and uh you know if it's a if it's a a, you know a 1a 1b type thing for the rest of the season whatever works uh hopefully ramos can his back comes around and kind of justifies him 
being in the lineup. But um, yeah, the defense is uh, it's not great. And like you said, they 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 knew what they were getting. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know what really was expect what people you know Mets fans in general were kind of expecting. I mean, he's he's not a guy that's had an extreme track record of hitting. I mean, he's had he's had a you know a two or three above average seasons and. Um, but the defense has always been average or, or worse, so uh, not not too sure what what everyone was kind of expecting out of out of that sign. But yeah, like he, you know, once he was in Tampa Bay, I kind of saw him staying in the American League because he kind of fits that profile. Where all right, he doesn't have to catch every day, but he could DH him. Um, now with the DH in both leagues, I'm sure it's going to give him some opportunity. But you know, he's kind of got to pull his. Uh, Pull his end too. Yeah, I mean, and just thinking about his career, going back to Washington, you know, he was he was just kind of always around and would maybe uh, start every so often. I mean, I just you know never really had an impression of him that was like, okay, this is one of the you know top starting catchers in the league, and um, you know, I think he definitely you know good on him for parlaying uh, you know a, a good few seasons into a, you know a solid contract uh, with the Mets. <laughs> you could you could put so many names into that fill the blank. Good for him on parlaying a couple of good seasons to into a deal with the Mets. Yeah, we we know it too well. Yeah, hey, it is what it is, right? No, you know, and and again, I don't want to discredit Wilson Ramos because when he gets hot, he's a streaky hitter. He always has been, but when he gets hot, he can really you know he can carry your team for a couple of weeks. Um, we're just hoping we get some more of that because it was fun last year. That hit streak was so unexpected and just so exciting. Uh, you know, it kind of fit in with the rest of the theme in the second half. It was fun to see. Hopefully we can get that uh, get that back. Jacob, there was one more thing I wanted to ask you about because I need some explaining on this. Uh, the Mets added uh, – I, I, when I saw it, I was excited, but then um, Twitter kind of soured me on it a bit. Uh, the Mets added – 2019, the first round or second rounder, Matthew Allen, uh, and third, uh, third, round. third rounder. My apology, Matthew Allen, uh, right-hander, correct? Yeah. Okay, and catcher, international signing from last year, Francisco Alvarez, to the 60-man player pool. Um, I'm like, all right, in my head, I'm cool. These guys are going to get some action against, uh, you know, higher competition. See what they're about, and then. I, I want to. Th- I think you were first to point out that said, "Hey, wait, wait, wait! Don't get too excited about this. This could potentially be a precursor to them being, you know, dangled in trade talks or potentially traded." Um, can you explain that this whole scenario? Because um, you know, this this concerns me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> any other organization, you know, adding two of your top five prospects. Uh, to the pool is a is cause for, for celebration. You know, the organization likes them. They want to, uh, you know, see them up close for the first time since, since March. Um, but then the Mets juices start flowing in the brain, and now you're thinking about the worst-case scenario. So on one hand, you know, it is on the surface level, yes, it's good. They're being added to the pool. They're... Gonna get to be around the coaches. Um, they'll get, or for Alvarez, they'll get live at bats. For Allen, he'll face live hitters in a professional setting. You know, I don't know what those guys were doing at home, um, but obviously, you know, it doesn't really compare to having, uh, you know, 
face-to-face conversation with coaches and, and direct instruction. So um, it's bad. I mean, on the other end, it's like, okay, who are these guys facing? I mean, Matthew Allen, is he really going to get better by pitching to Jake Hager or, you know, Max Moroff or whoever they have there? Is Francisco Alvarez going to get better by, you know, facing uh, Jeffrey Ramirez and uh, Pedro Payan? Like, you know, I don't, I don't know how much of a, of a development tool it will be for them to get these reps. Um, so there's that element to it. Um, and then on the, the other hand, um, only, only players who are in a, in a team's pool can be traded immediately uh, this season. So that's kind of what everyone started thinking. All right, now, now they're in the pool, they can be traded. You can, you can trade players who are not in a pool um, by including them as a player to be named later and then naming them at the end of the season. Um, that's what the Mets did uh, recently. Oh, it's escaping me. Oh, uh, the uh, Ari Alvarado trade with, with Texas. Um, that was for cash and a player to be named later, so that's likely someone who's not in Texas's pool. Uh, maybe someone lower down in the minor leagues. Who knows? Uh, and, you know, we'll find out who that was after the season. So, um, so just because they're added to the pool doesn't mean that that's the only way they're, they're, they would be able to be traded. Um, I mean, if they do trade those guys, it would be kind of a, a kind of a big deal. I mean, those are two of the, like I said, two of the top five guys in the system right now. And uh, obviously, we know uh, what Brody has done in the past with, with moving prospects for for winning now major leaguers. Um, certainly, it's come back to bite him. So. Uh, everyone was was not happy about that potential outcome. Um, and it's also interesting because Brody said, or he was asked specifically at the very, very beginning of summer camp, it was his first first press conference since since March, um, to talk about the team, and the Mets had just released their initial player pool. And while some teams were including their top, you know, the Wander Francos of the world were you know, included in their team's pools, even if they didn't have a chance of playing this year, uh, the Mets did not include any prospects um, except for Andres Jimenez, who was already on the 40-man roster. Um, they didn't include any, you know, Ronnie Mauricio, Brett Beatty, or Allen or Alvarez, those kind of guys. Um, and Brody was asked about that, and he had said, uh, you know, our intention, this is exactly what he said, our intention is to have guys in the pool who we believe can help us this year. So there's zero chance, you know, unless things go absolutely crazy, that Matthew Allen or Francisco Alvarez are helping the Mets in the major leagues this year, um, especially because they already had four catchers in the in the player pool and they have plenty of pitchers. So um, this is clearly either strictly development, and in that case, you know why why wouldn't you add someone like Mauricio, who's probably even closer and than Alvarez and um, has the same level of prospect luster, I guess. Um, so you're either adding them just for development or you're adding them to trade them now. The interesting thing, uh, even though no, I'm going to say you can still trade guys later as a player to be named, um, you know, in the absence of in-person scouting, teams can't send scouts to other teams' uh, alternate sites. Uh, you know, MLB is organizing. I don't know if they have officially done it yet or they're in the process of doing it. They're organizing kind of a, a data sharing, video sharing system uh, where teams can opt in and give their video and, and you know analytics uh, trackman data from from their site, uh, give that to other teams in exchange for theirs. 
um, and that could potentially be, be used. We're coming up on the trade deadline in, in uh, about two weeks. Um, so perhaps, you know, there was a team that, that's interested in, in those guys, and uh, they said, you know what, we're going to hold off unless you guys can get us, you know, updated analytics uh, and metrics on these guys. Um, and that's something that they can't get from them if they're at home. They can only get if they're, you know, at – at Brooklyn in front of the, the track men, uh, Rap Soto, all that good stuff. Um, so a lot of interesting behind-the-scenes things that play here. Uh, you know, Tim Brayton reported that uh, it was a development-only move, but, you know, I don't know why they would they would come out and say, yes, we're adding these guys to trade them. So, um, <laughs> you know, and, you know, just considering the the current state of the roster with starting the Mets starting pitching just absolutely falling apart right now, um, you know, wouldn't shock me to see uh, see those guys move for kind of a, a big, I don't know who it would be, a big name piece. I mean, Trevor Bauer or Lance Lynn, you know, I don't, I don't really know uh, exactly who they would be targeting, but, uh, and, you know, considering that Brody's uh, in the Wolfpons days might be numbered to, to prove that, uh, you know, they were able to build a winner. I would not shock me to see them continue to, mortgage the future for uh you know a win now move jacob i would um i i would wholly lose my shit if they moved <laughs> um i either alan or alvarez or any of our bigger higher end prospects for lance lynn or you know six starts of trevor bauer uh yeah i, I would I, I would flip out i would lose it um these guys bring so much hope to the future uh you know, for all of Brady's faults, it appears he's drafted well so far. Or his talent evaluators have drafted well so far. So, um, yeah. it's funny. It's funny. The I just want to say that the, the drafted well narrative, you know, could just absolutely be blown up in in four or five years if you know none of those guys. I mean, I'm hoping they do pan out, but if you know none of those guys pan out, uh, the the drafted well narrative just is is lost to history. Oh yeah, but at this moment in time, it appears it it solely appears based on talent level and what we know about these players is that the Mets have some studs, the Mets have some gems, and moving them for rentals or fucking Lance Lynn, I, I couldn't. I would Jacob, I would lose it. I would lose it. I would lose it completely. If they flipped uh. Alvarez for Lance Lynn, I would um, I would I would be upset. Uh but yeah, uh, hopefully this is all for the best. Um, you were mentioning earlier in the week that they had the Mets were they weren't really able to have full interest squad games, but like you said, they already have enough pitchers and catchers there. So I, I just I, I don't understand it. Maybe it's for drills. Hopefully it's for drills. We'll just have to hope for the best there. But um, yeah, I, I, that's that's concerning. Yeah, I don't. I don't it is what it is. Um. All right, well, we're going to close it up. Um, I'm sure most people saw that um, I, I left Metsmerized this week. Um, this was not an easy decision. Um, I, <laughs> hey, what's up, puppy? We oh, you can hear that. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, this it, it, it wasn't an easy decision. These last few years, going on three years, um, some of the most fulfilling uh, of my life, and that's just not in my writing life. I mean, I literally found my voice at Metsmerized. Um, you know, it, it was uh, 
time to go. Um, you know, it is what it is. It's it's certainly a weird feeling not being part of the team. And um, I almost felt like a lost puppy that first Friday night, not doing my recap. Like, oh, what do I do? I could just watch the game as a fan. It was it was uh, it was weird. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Everything's for the best. It all happens for a reason. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, again, I look back on my time at MMO with nothing but positive memories. Joe DeCaro, Mike Mayer, uh, you, Jacob. I mean, all the editors that I've worked with there, all my fellow writers, everybody was just above and beyond. Um you know, just great to work with. Uh, I made a lot of great friends and I'll continue to speak to those people. They're still my friends. This was amicable. Totally. Um, it was just time to move on. So I just wanted to say my little piece. Thank you to MMO. Uh, simply amazing. Of course, we'll still go on. And, um, yeah, uh, always a friend of the site. And uh, I believe that's, uh, that's likewise going both ways too. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I just want to say on behalf of, uh, myself and uh, and I'm sure I speak for for the rest of the the mesmerized staff that um, you know it's been a a pleasure to uh, you know have our our bylines uh, alongside each other for the last uh, couple of years. Um, just always been a treat to to read your work and to to say that that we write for the for the same outlet and um, you know certainly as a a younger writer to have um, you know someone like yourself who's uh, you know seen seen uh seen some more things in life and, and has a, a you know more uh certainly optimistic as we always mention optimistic <laughs> and and uh you know big picture view of things uh has certainly been uh helpful to myself and, and all the other um you know younger writers at the site um and you know just always been a pleasure and I, you know i'm just happy that uh you're, you're not leaving the scene and, and you know we'll we'll obviously keep doing the podcast and um you'll you'll still be on Twitter offering your, your free thoughts and um, just uh, looking forward to wherever you, you land in your, in your baseball net, wherever you land next in your, in your baseball writing career. So, uh, you know, thank you for, for everything you've done. And, uh, you know, I'm happy that you're uh, making a decision that, that sits right with you. Yeah. Um, no, thank you, man. Uh, the really, the pleasure was, was all mine. Um, and yeah, I, I think that, <laughs> I'm still working on it, but I think the decision was the right one to make. And um, yeah, I guess for now, I'm just going to be banging out a couple of um, articles. Uh, simply amazing. We have a, a medium.com page. Uh, I'll be sharing that on Twitter. Um, but yeah, the show goes on. Simply amazing will still be here. I mean, like I said, the connection's always there. I'm still Tim Ryder from MMO, just no longer with MMO. It's, uh, it's all love. That's uh, it's what it's all about. Absolutely, man. Yeah, best, right. uh, best wishes to you. Thank you, my man. All right, everybody. Uh, we'll be back later in the week. Hopefully, we have some freaking wins to talk about. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there's four or five back, whatever they end up at, on Sunday night uh, with, what, 37 to play. We've seen worse teams make up bigger deficits. So let's go, Mets. Let's go!